are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, Dolphins fans, and welcome to this Monday, March 29th edition of Locked On Dolphins. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, Director of Scouting at the Draft Network, Managing Editor of USA Today's DolphinsWire.com, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, and really, really glad that we got a little bit of time to process the madness that was Friday afternoon. We, of course, did the emergency podcast. If you missed the emergency podcast on Friday afternoon, you guys got a double dip at the end of last week. Uh, Initial gut reactions to the Dolphins trading down from 3 to 12 and back to 6, all in one shot. You got a 15, 20-minute quick hitting. This happened. Here's my gut. But with the time this weekend to kind of let things marinate, and really process what has transpired. I think there are a lot of peripheral layers that we should be excited about as Dolphins fans for potential for the Dolphins to parlay this move to six into more advantageous moves once we get to draft weekend. Because the Dolphins, what they've really done is they've put themselves at another pressure point in the NFL draft. And granted, they very well may, which was my gut reaction when the trade first was announced to come back up with Philadelphia, have a guy that their heart is set on, they want to ensure and guarantee they're going to get that guy, six was the spot to get it, no questions asked. But there are other benefits to Miami being here that we can discuss here and now, and I plan on discussing here and now, that make this a really strong spot for the Dolphins to be yet again. One of those is the 2021 NFL Draft quarterback market. With Miami trading with San Francisco, we can now safely assume quarterbacks are going to be used on the first three picks in the 2021 NFL Draft. Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, and then either... Justin Fields, or Trey Lance at three. Miami now only has to wait two more picks before they're back on the clock. Atlanta and Cincinnati. That has been well established. But for the other quarterback-hungry teams in the market, the Carolina Panthers of the world, the New England Patriots of the world, the Denver Broncos of the world, You now either have to do one of two things. You have to offer the Atlanta Falcons the world, the moon, to facilitate a trade up into the number four spot to get the fourth passer. I refuse to put Mac Wilson into this conversation. Or you have to try to move Cincinnati, who almost never trades down in the first round, to move out of their pick. And if you don't accomplish that, the Dolphins are back on the clock. And they can very much have say and play defense for a team like the New England Patriots. Because the New England Patriots want to get up. And if they, if they want to draft Mac Jones, 
more power to you. Because Mac Jones, yes, he was just as efficient, if not more efficient, in the Alabama offense than what Tua Tagovailoa was before him. But the only trait that Mac Jones has physically that is more appealing than what Tua Tagovailoa has from a traits perspective in the same offense is that he was taller. So if you want to go out and you want to get a physically speaking lesser version of what the Dolphins have at quarterback in the first round, more power to you, Bill Belichick. I'm not going to stop you. His arm's not as strong. He's not as accurate. He's not as athletic. He's just not. And we saw what the transition into the NFL prompted from Tua Tagovailoa as far as growing pains and a transition. And New England, yeah, you got two really good tight ends there, and you signed Nelson Aguilar to a big-time money contract. But I don't fear Mac Jones the way I fear the potential ceiling of a Justin Fields or even a Trey Lance to a lesser degree. I do think Trey needs a little bit more time, and maybe that's why you bring back Cam Newton. But listen, New England's currently sitting in 15. Unless New England gets up out of 15 and moves partially up the board before the draft, they're going to have a bear of a time. And the Dolphins preemptively took the most friendly quarterback trading landmark after number three, 15 minutes after they traded out of three to begin with. (laughs) For Atlanta to move back to 15 from New England, Miami has, I don't want to say they have slammed the door shut, but they have put the pressure back on these other quarterback-hungry teams. And if you explore, and if the Dolphins, hypothetically, don't have a single guy they're married to, if they're comfortable with the the top four pass catchers, Kyle Pitts, tight end from Florida, LSU's Jamar Chase, and Alabama's Devontae Smith, and Jalen Waddell, if they're comfortable with that group of players, we should be rooting like hell for Penny Sewell to get drafted by either the Falcons or the Cincinnati Bengals. And you should be rooting like hell for whoever San Francisco does not take to come back on the board for the Dolphins at six. And for a trade with Atlanta to not happen. First of all, if Atlanta does trade and it is a quarterback, Cincinnati, if they take Penny Sewell, the Dolphins will have their choice of the top four and they can have whichever one they want. But even if Cincinnati takes, say Atlanta takes Kyle Pitts, and then say... Cincinnati takes Jamar Chase, and it's the two Alabama wide receivers. You as the Dolphins still have a trade-back opportunity, provided the Detroit Lions are among the interested teams. If Carolina wants to jump Detroit to guarantee they will get that quarterback, and Detroit is also interested in making a play for a quarterback, and a couple of the guys who I've talked to around the league who cover the Lions have said, don't rule that out as a possibility. you, mathematically speaking, would still be guaranteed to get one of the Alabama wide receivers if it was Pitts at four, Chase at five, Sewell still on the board nonetheless. But if Miami even went back to eight with Carolina, so Carolina could jump Detroit for the quarterback, quarterback four. Detroit would go one Alabama wide receiver, and Miami would still have the other one available to them. 
I don't think Miami would trade back to 12 or back beyond 12. But you can you can kind of play the game here a little bit. And let the board, now that you're in six, you can see if the board's going to fall advantageously for you to really drum up interest. And if Penny Sewell goes, say he goes f- uh, five to Cincinnati, and say Kyle Pitts goes four to Atlanta, and you have Chase, Waddle, and Smith on the board, now you can rope the Denver Broncos in. Because if the Broncos go up, you're guaranteed once again, mathematically speaking, two of the three will go, but Denver's going up for a quarterback, so you could go back to nine. You can almost play another mini bidding war, but you also are excluding the New England Patriots from that conversation if it comes to it. So either way, the Dolphins are going to win. Because if Atlanta trades out, Kyle Pitts is probably going to be on the board for you. If Atlanta takes Kyle Pitts and Cincinnati takes Jamar Chase, okay, you get the Alabama guys and Kyle Pitts. If Cincinnati takes Penny Sewell and Atlanta takes a quarterback or trades out, you'll get all four. So I think the more I've thought about this, the more this trade-up has much more benefits to the Miami Dolphins beyond just, okay, we're going to guarantee ourselves one of the top pass catchers. Well, no, like, you slam the door shut on anybody else instinctively reacting to six being the new spot to trade up for QB3. You slam the door shut on that, and now you get to let the board play out in front of you and see how things develop. And you may have three teams in Detroit, Carolina, and Denver immediately behind you with QB4, perceived to be a high-level quarterback prospect, on the market. And depending on how the board breaks, you may have three of your four ideal pass catchers still on the board, so you could go back to nine. And maybe that's where Miami gets more 2021 draft capital. Who knows? But that's only if they're willing to play that game and only if they're comfortable with more than one outcome for who they want to draft. If they've got a guy, then just stay and take your guy. And while it would be nice to have two first-round picks in 2022, at the end of the day, we can all count our blessings that the Dolphins got the same guy that they probably would have taken at three, but you got an extra three in 2022 and you got an extra one in 2023. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Football may be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality television with real-time updated odds and props on just about anything you can imagine. Bet online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds and is the best way to place your bets. Plus, it's free to sign up. So head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts promo code locked on. One thing that I've been trying to do in the aftermath of this maneuver by the Dolphins is come up with a new doomsday scenario for Miami. Uh, The doomsday scenario before this deal was done by the Dolphins was not being able to find a trade partner and staying put at three. That, of course, is water under the bridge. I got to tell you, the Dolphins are going to have a really hard time finding a way to make me mad on draft night. (laughs) They, They are. Because if it's any of the big four pass catchers, if it's Kyle Pitts, the mentality is a Dolphins fan should be, he's the most rare and unique talent of the pass catchers. 
tight ends, economically speaking, are more financially reasonable and easy to digest than a top-flight wide receiver. And because the game is played in mismatches, having two tight ends of the caliber of Gasecki and Pitts on the field is going to create all kinds of headaches and problems for opposing defenses when you're in 12 personnel. And this podcast has long been a champion of more 12 personnel. So that's a good thing for the Dolphins if it's Kyle Pitts. If it's Devontae Smith, he has the best chemistry with Tua Tagovailoa. Period. Uh, of the wide receivers that are available, he has the most established chem- chemistry with Tua Tagovailoa. Route technician uh, doesn't necessarily purely fit into any of the buckets of what the Dolphins are doing, but that might not necessarily be a bad thing. That means you can move him around more. If it's Jalen Waddell, speed kills. We've talked about what he and Will Fuller could do for this offense, pushing and attacking vertically down the field. And subsequently with Jalen Waddell, getting him the ball quick in the screen game, RPO game, and creating yards after the catch. He will erase pursuit angles. Him and Will Fuller would be an unbelievable duo for the Dolphins to roll out. Watch how much more room everybody else has to work. And if it's Jamar Chase, Jamar Chase, say what you will about his route running and his polish. He broke out at 19 years old. I understand breakout age is a really big thing in in some analytics components of wide receiver play. But I also don't think it should be overlooked that I think Jamar Chase is a player who could have a lot of success in the slot. He's not big to the same degree as Devontae Parker or Preston Williams, but his style of play is probably the most in line with what the Dolphins have gravitated towards in the past, and I don't think that's something that could be overlooked. Physical, smash mouth, uh, he attacks the ball in the air, he plays with aggression, he's not afraid to block. You add all those things up, And that's the case for Jamar Chase right there. Everything the Dolphins have looked for in the past at other positions and at some wide receivers with the outside wide receivers, Jamar Chase has it. Honestly, the way you might make me the most frustrated if you go offensively is drafting Penny Sewell. And that's a really great place to be because Penny Sewell is one hell of an offensive tackle prospect. Now, if they go defense at six, that's where we'll get off the rails. Seen a little bit of Micah Parsons talk on the timeline. Let's relax with that. It would hurt my soul for the Dolphins, and I like Micah Parsons as a prospect, but it would hurt my soul for the Dolphins to go out and trade for Bernardrick McKinney, acquire him as an established veteran, knowing what he is physically capable of on third downs, in pressure situations, in coverage, as a run stuffer, knowing he is predominantly a run stuffer, and then drafting Micah Parsons, who would probably ideally play Sam linebacker for Miami, spend a little bit of time on the edge, for them to go that route at six. And then what? You're, you're going to try to trade up from 18 for a wide receiver? Then you should have just stayed at 12 and really kept the picks then. Because I know that's going to be a big point of emphasis to look back on is, was it worth giving up the 2022-1 to jump up six spots? 
in my opinion, it's not if your goal is to or your aspirations are to take Micah Parsons. So that's some food for thought. That would probably be the doomsday scenario for me as things currently stand for Miami is to go defense and specifically go Micah Parsons at number six. Let's let's not go there. Let's not talk that into existence. This whole focus for Miami, especially because they have the assets moving forward in 2023, they have two first-round picks. They're going to have an opportunity to let Tua Tagovailoa take the mantle of this offense. They say year one to year two jump is the most important and most of the time biggest jump that you see a quarterback make. If the Dolphins get to next offseason and Tua Tagovailoa, heaven forbid, gets hurt or doesn't progress and the Dolphins are not comfortable, They've set themselves up where they will have built up the rest of the roster and then they can ask themselves that hard question. Now, two is going to have every opportunity, it appears, to go out and prove that he was the right choice from the very beginning. He's busting his butt this offseason. And I expect, you know, with the improved skill players around him, with Will Fuller, whoever the Dolphins draft here early in the first round, I'm hoping we still get a running back. I'm hoping we still get another wide receiver in the draft. If the Dolphins go out and they get all of those things and you don't like what Tua shows you, well then, yeah, then you can ask yourself the question going into 2022 or going into 2023. I see the Dolphins fans all the time talking about, well, you gave Ryan Tannehill seven years. Yeah, I think Tua Tagovailoa. You you can't make any definitive statements about Tua Tagovailoa right now. But that also includes, I don't think you can guarantee his success. But Miami, again, name of the game is flexibility. They've given themselves the opportunity to evaluate because they are making so many decisions, so many investments. Law of averages says if you bat 500, you're going to have a lot better team. But if the big investments don't pan out, then you now have the luxury because of the way you've set yourself up on Friday to be flexible and change directions. We have been telling you about our friends at Built Bar for quite some time here on the Locked On Network, and now is the time to determine which flavor is the best amongst Built Bar's litany of flavors, the amazing low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, amazing-tasting protein bar, no shortage of flavors, and 100% chocolate on all of their bars. Right now, it is Built Bar Madness. In a March Madness-style bracket, Built Bar is pitting their flavors against one another to determine a champion. To keep track, go to BuiltBar.com or go to Bar underscore Built on Twitter. And remember to use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That is LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. And check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best flavor of the world's best-tasting protein bar. Here's the challenge for Miami, though. If you are intent on drafting at six, you now have kind of this log jam. You've got running back, presumably center, edge, potentially another linebacker, and potentially another wide receiver. So that's five picks. But if you look at the rest of what the Dolphins have going on, 
you've got 18, 36, 50, and 81. And then you don't pick again until the fifth round. So you're going to have ideally five needs and only four picks to get it all done. If you move back from 18, if everybody's married to Najee Harris or Javante Williams, I don't think you can bypass that position and have a good chance to get any one of the big three running backs in this year's draft class. So you could potentially trade back, but how far back could you go and guarantee you're still going to get one of the big three running backs? I don't have an answer, but I don't think it's past 30. The Buffalo Bills are a well-rounded team. They do not have a lot of needs, and running back is inevitably one of them, despite the fact that the team has used day two picks in each of the last two drafts on Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. They need explosiveness in the backfield. Travis Etienne's there. They're going to look real hard at Travis Etienne. I'm not saying they're going to pick him. I've already mentioned, I mentioned it last week, uh, I know of one team that really, really likes Javante Williams, and I think there's a strong chance he ends up getting drafted in the top 32 picks. And then obviously the Dolphins and Steelers have been closely tied to Najee Harris. So if you need to pick a running back, you might be able to finagle and trade back a couple of spots. Will it net you a two? That's hard to say. And if it nets you a two, does that mean you're you're giving up a three? And now you're out of threes as well? If you trade back from 36, are you missing an opportunity in kind of the sweet spot? Ideally, you'd be getting as many picks in between 30, 35 and 50 as you possibly can. That's where I really like the value in this year's draft. Dolphins have two picks there right now, but if you trade back out of there to get more picks, then you're missing a, a, the, the best economic bang for your buck with your draft picks. So that's where Miami's kind of in a rock and a hard place. And if you want to back burner the second wide receiver, that's fine. You want to say it's running back, center, edge, linebacker. Now you need to start putting guys in buckets and you need to start looking at combinations and you need to know for certain what guys are going to be there versus what guys you think are going to be there versus what guys you know you're going to have to reach on because he's going to have a market in the same range that you have picks. If you're getting an edge, ideally you'd get an edge at 18, whether it's Quiddy Pay or Jalen Phillips or Aziz Ojolari, who I don't think is a great fit for the Dolphins, but I digress. I want to put him in there. You might get lucky and have Gregory Rousseau there at 36. But if you don't, then you might as well wait on Carlos Basham and get him either trading back from 50 or at 81. That's going to be an exercise we tackle this week on this show because we're getting ready to flip the calendar over to April, which means the NFL draft is less than a month away. You're going to want to hit subscribe on this podcast. Tomorrow is Power to the Pot. It's your questions, your hot takes, your topics pertaining to the Dolphins or otherwise you want to get involved. Tweet at LockedOnFins with a PH with the hashtag Power to the Pod. Or leave a five-star review on the show with your question and I'll tackle as many as I can. I'm going to warn you. Last week, we had upwards of 75 total questions between iTunes reviews and Twitter questions. I can work quickly, but I can't work that quickly. Uh, 
but I'll do my absolute best to comb through and find whatever great topics that you guys have that you want to bring to the table pertaining to the Dolphins or otherwise. I'm Kyle Krabs. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Locked On Dolphins. A little bit more reaction uh, after the dust has settled on the Dolphins' move, trading from number 3 to 12 and back to 6, courtesy of San Francisco and the Philadelphia Eagles. Who said the Dolphins were boring? It feels like forever ago the legal tampering period was open and we were sitting here all poking Chris Greer with a stick, telling him to do something. He heard us. He's been busy. And you get the feeling they're not done yet, either. What that looks like, we're just going to have to wait and see. Keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. Thanks for always for listening. Hope to talk with you guys again tomorrow.